trust politicians. I didn't trust people. I'd like to talk seriously just for a moment. One of the great art exhibits ever to tour the United States is the Treasures of Tutankhamun or King Tut. But I think it's a national disgrace the way we have commercialized it with trinkets and toys, t-shirts and posters. And about three months ago, I was up in the woods and I wrote a song. I tried to use the ancient modalities and melodies. I would like to do it for you right now. Maybe we can all learn something. Welcome to Sports and Songs, episode number 24. This is Dan, also guest host, uh, uh, co-host Andy. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing good. Today is May 1st, May Day, and we've got another episode here to start off with some sports, music, information, and songs. Lots of good stuff here today. What would you like to start off with on the show today? Well, I got a little, <clears throat> for us, breaking news, because we're a nonsense, but uh, yesterday... NASCAR announced they're going to start racing uh, May 17th. Uh, they will not have anyone in the stands. It'll be just the, the teams and the racers. They'll be starting at Darlington Raceway and then uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway are going to be the two of the sites. In fact, the funny thing about that is before NASCAR made their announcement yesterday, the governor of North Carolina's 2 p.m. COVID-19 announcement kind of stole their thunder and said, hey, we're going to have racing coming back May 17th. So, oops. But um, they are going to be doing some racing there. It's going to be the Cup Series and Xfinity are both going to be going starting May 17th. Um, this is still their plan. Things might change, but they are looking at trying to get going again. So NASCAR jumping in on everybody else to be the first to come back. So we'll see how that goes. Interesting. No fans, though, right? No fans. It'll be just the crew chiefs or the crews. I'm, I suppose their families down in the trailers. I don't know for sure. Um but you, you tell 50 rednecks they can't have their families with them. We'll see how that works out. We'll see how that flies. But, um, yeah, so that's that. And also kind of um, WCHA Hockey has put out their uh, schedule. They're still planning on going full schedule for next year. They don't want to change too much. They're being positive. Hey, here's our schedule for next year. We're going to go with as is. But also the WCHA also mentioned at their last meetings that um, before the pandemic hit, the season was to be the last for the WCHA in their current 10-team lineup. Bemidji State, along with six other schools, Bowling Green, Ferris State, Lake Superior State, Michigan Tech, Minnesota State, and Northern Michigan, announced last summer they would plan to leave the WCHA and form a new conference beginning play in 2021-2022. The new league announced in February will uh, go by the CCHA name. Now, again, with all these other changes going on, other schools coming in, nothing real positive positive on that, but that's kind of where they're shooting right now. So college hockey changing some conferences, too, coming up. So that's kind of exciting news. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Um, got a little college basketball recruiting. Um, one of our listeners out in the North Carolina area, Jackie, emailed this to me the other day. Uh, Kerwin Walton, um, Hopkins, Minnesota kid. Is going to North Carolina, it sounds like. Uh, Patino can't seem to land a Minnesota kid to save his life. He gets a few, then they leave right away, but he is not getting a lot of Minnesota kids. And it looks like Carolina's coming here a lot. Um, Corwin Walton had choices of going to Arizona, Georgetown, Minnesota, and Vanderbilt, but he did pick North Carolina, the Tar Heels. So uh, Roy Williams coming out here, stealing some Midwest boys, sees how it's going out there. 
There he is now, the photo. There's young Kerwin, yeah. Good player, good player. Um, He, he was a good stand-up Minnesota. He, he was, like I said, Patino did look, talk to him, come here and everything else. Uh, not going, he did, he did play, uh, at, he's from Minnetonka, um, but he will be going to North Carolina as a Tar Heel. Um, Carolina's getting a, they didn't have a good year this year. North Carolina, I honestly didn't have a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully they're going to rebound here. It'd be kind of fun to watch. Watch Kerwin beat Duke this year. That'd be nice. Oh, yes. Anytime Duke loses, I'm happy. Um, it's a sunshine it's, those days. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> besides that, uh, I was looking up stuff for Target Center the other day. A little spoiler alert for the music stuff coming up later. But Target Center is listing um, concerts all being canceled. But in between that, they're still showing the Lynx games. Um, I haven't followed up with the WNBA yet. haven't heard back from them on what they plan on doing for their season. Their season does start in a couple weeks. I don't know if they're going to play empty arenas. No offense to the WNBA. Unless the Lynx are in the playoff run, they're not really putting a lot of butts in seats there. They could spread people out and maybe still make it work. I don't know what their plans are. But we shall see. Yeah, hopefully by the next episode. If not, we might do a little update on a Facebook Live one day once we hear more from that. But uh, So keep your eyes and ears open for that. But looking like WNBA might be kind of going par for the course. Correct, yeah. Interesting stuff, nonetheless. You got anything for the NFL there, sir? I've got one NFL note. You know, the draft took place this last week, and I did a little uh, show on some of that and how how teams differ on how they choose to do their draft or carry out their draft. And then when the draft's done, you get the free agent market. You get these undrafted free agents. Uh, Randy Moss's son was picked up during the undrafted free agent section. Thaddeus Moss, a tight end, went to the Redskins. Um, I don't think if you're in a fantasy league, you're going to go ahead and try to try to pick him up. But he'll be interesting to watch nonetheless. That's Thaddeus Moss. That's Randy Moss's son. Tight end. Uh, signed by the Redskins last week. That's the only thing I've got for the uh, notes. All right. Very interesting there. Um, there was a lot of names. There's one other name in uh, FCS football. Some of those guys got picked up in the later rounds. Oh, yes. Okay. So we kind of watch some of those names coming up. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Danucci, quarterback for James Madison, got picked up. He uh, played against the Bison in the championship game. Danucci had a very good game, good player. Yeah, he was, I remember that, watching that game. He, he was impressive. He was picked up by the Dallas Cowboys. He did, okay, because they led, and they could have won at the end of that game because yeah. of him. Yeah, so he, And those two brothers. Right, they had they had, they had a good team, oh, they had good players okay. there. So he went to the Cowboys, I did not so know So he went that. to be replaced by a wow. FCS. No, I'm kidding. James Madison Breaking guy. news, Dak Ma- Dak Ma- be but interesting that that's that's pretty good. He's so, a tremendous athlete. And he was in seventh round, which is the last round. But you know what? For and James Madison is down south, so maybe he's in you know Jerry Jones's radar of who he watches and follows down there. You know, you kind of kind of regional when it gets that way. You see the, the FCS school guys; they're kind of going regional where they're at too. So, look, good luck to him and any of the other guys in the, the FCS that were picked up. And they'll, you'll still see guys. They'll go to tryouts and everything else. You never know. But uh, that's all I got for other stuff. I just got regular sports history stuff. Uh, we'll dive into that here real quick. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. I've got nothing else as far as sports is concerned except some of this history stuff. Kind of a, a sidebar on this. It was about 10 days ago for our last show, so this is the last 10 days, not the last week in sports history. 
Um, and coming up, I think, for the summer, we're going to go every two weeks for a show. So it'll be the, the last two weeks in sports history, we'll be calling it. But uh, as of for now, since our last show till now, here we go. Sports history, April 21st. 1967, the Dodgers have their first rainout in Los Angeles after 737 consecutive games. Very rare for Dodgers to have a rainout. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Roughly 80 home games a year, so figure that out. You know, nine years, nine, ten years are the other one. 1994, Eddie Murray sets a record for switch hit home runs in a game, in games, with 11 games with switch hit home runs. Uh, birthday, 1957, Jesse Orozco, pitcher for the Mets, Orioles, and Dodgers, was born 1957, April 21st. April 22nd, 1876, the first official National League baseball game was played between the Boston Red Stockings, beat the Philadelphia Athletics 6-5 to five at, the John, at the Jefferson Street grounds in Philadelphia. Hmm. 1962, the New York Mets tied the National League record by losing nine straight to start the season. Later, though, in 1997, the Cubs did lose 14 to take that record away from them. 1970, a couple notes from a Mets game. Uh, New York Mets' Jerry Grout set a record for 20 putouts by a catcher. And in that same game, Tom Seaver struck out the last 10 Padres for a total of 19 in the game. And, and, a, and a putout for a catcher is actually a strikeout. Also, uh, there was one, if it's a throw from the outfield, you take him out of home. He yep. gets to put out. But So he gets credit for every put. So when you hear a catcher or a pitcher had 20 strikeouts, that catcher had 20 putouts. Correct, correct. So, But then Tom Seaver having struck out the last 10 Padres. So. Wow. Uh, April 22nd, 1981. Dodgers rookie Fernando Valenzuela tosses his third shutout in four starts. All right, so let's bring him up here. This is one of the best pitchers. Uh... Fernando Mania. Of all time. Boy, this guy, when he came up, was unstoppable. He used to breathe out of his eyelids. Exactly. There's that. Yeah, he, was, he was something else. And, you know, even as his career went on with the Padres, now he gained a little weight, started wearing the glasses, but he was still, he just looked like he just, you respected him. He looked like he wasn't just some hard thrower out there. He knew what he was doing. Big kid. Uh, he, he liked his sandwiches towards the end of his career there, but Fernando was a good pitcher. Very good. And this was 1981? 81, his okay. rookie year, yeah. Three shutouts in his first four starts. Yeah, that's um, unreal. Uh, April 23rd, 1962. New York Mets win their first game ever. After going 0-9, they beat the Pirates 9-1. 1964. Houston's Colt 45's Ken Johnson becomes the first major league pitcher to lose a nine-inning no-hitter. The Reds, oh, the Reds won that game one nothing. Pitch a no-hitter and you end up losing the game. In extra innings, yeah. Well, remember Andy Hawkins back, was at 87? Lost a no-hitter, but the score was like 4 nothing. Okay. With the Yankees. Hard luck Hawkins. He had like a couple, three starts in a row there where he just, he was doing great, but had no defense. April 24th, speaking of great pitchers, 1978, Angels' Nolan Ryan strikes out 15 Mariners for the 20th time he had gone with 15 strikeouts in a game. Now this guy... Is something else. There's Mr. Nolan Ryan. He, uh, I looked up the stats Old after school. that. You know, like I said, it was his 20th time he had 15 strikeouts. But he never really had a lot of 20 strikeout games or 18 strikeout games. He always had like 15, 16 strikeouts a game. Um, if you look up the records, Nolan Ryan, one year, uh, 8 and 16, but he led the league in ERA. 8 and 16 record. And also, if you look up, you think Nolan Ryan, you think strikeouts. You think no hitters? I think the fight with 
Robin Ventura? Ventura. <laughs> That's a trivia question. Robin Ventura is only going to get four hits off Nolan Ryan. That's, anyway, that is awesome. But uh, Nolan Ryan also Headlock. led the league in walks every year, too. Oh, he did. So that's an interesting fact. You never think of Nolan Ryan nope. giving up walks. No, nope. I don't think of that. So not not putting down his career, just saying he didn't get the love from the officials like Greg Maddox did. Oh, yes. So just imagine if he got Greg Maddox officiating the numbers he could have put up. Oh. All right, back to the stuff here. April 25th, 1981. Seattle Mariners Major League Baseball manager Murray Wills is suspended for two games after ordering Kingdom Crew, the grounds crew, to enlarge the batter's box by one foot. Yes. All right. Good stuff. 1975 birthday. Jock Jones, outfielder. Jock was drafted by the Minnesota Twins in the second round after the 86 amateur draft. He played three seasons in the minors and was brought up to the majors in 99. He started out in center field, but moved to the left to accommodate for Torrey Hunter between 20 between 2002-2003. He batted over 300 and went on to the playoffs with the Twins. The Twins outfielder was one of the fastest in baseball in 2005, boasting Jones, Hunter, and Shannon Stewart. With the acquisition of Stewart, Jones had moved to right field. Jones was able to hit for power and averaged 20 home runs between 2000 and 2005. Uh, Jones officially ended his relationship with the Twins by turning down arbitration on September 19, 2005. Uh, after considering a deal to play for the Cardinals, he did sign a three-year deal with the Cubs. I remember watching him play for the Cubs. Dead That's right. Yes. But I didn't know that he hit all those years of 20 home runs. Yeah. But I think it was kind of, you know, we had a lot of guys hit about 15, 20. You know, Torrey Hunter was taking a lot of the, the spotlight for the Twins. The then. limelight. So Jack just quietly hit his 20, quietly was fast. Had outfield with Hunter and Jones and Shan Stewart. My goodness. That was, that was some fun times watching those teams. Unless they played the Yankees in the first round, then it wasn't fun. Exactly. April 26, 2005, Cubs' Jack McCarthy, center fielder, becomes the only major league player to throw out three runners at the plate in one game. And all of them would end a double play on the eight, the eight-two wow. put-out. Cubs ended up winning the game 2-1 to one over Pittsburgh. McCarthy, who had those put-outs, did go 0-3 with a walk in the game, by the way. But he had three. All defensive standout. <laughs> he, just he, he, he's all defense, play. all defense. 1931. Lou Gehrig hits a home run, but is called out for passing a runner. The mistake cost him the AL home run crown. He and Babe Ruth tied that season with 46. Now that uh, is a very interesting trivia question. I mean, he, and for the listeners out there, are they familiar? If they're not familiar with what that means, uh, outrunning the, the, the player ahead of you, uh, what does that mean, Andy? Well, if there was a runner on first base or second base, and he, for some reason, I don't know, someone in the brain, he passed him. I don't know if the guy just stopped running or... Lou Gehrig forgot he was on base and just passed him because it ended a game. Don't know. I, and they actually take away the home run then. Yes, um, and it's an so out. he now tied Ruth that year, yep. and he could have won it out, outright. Yep. Great out. trivia question. So, uh, 1988, New York Met manager Davey Johnson uh, – Oh, becomes eighty or becomes the second manager to record four hundred victories in his first four seasons. He had ninety, ninety-eight, one hundred and eight, and one hundred and two, or ninety-eight, one hundred and eight, and ninety-two for his four hundred wins. Also, he had a hundred to become the next season. So, to get those numbers, um, Al Lopez of Cleveland also did it. He was the first from nineteen fifty-one to fifty-four. He did it with back-to-back years of 93 wins, 92, and 111. 
thing is, though, in those years for Al Lopez of Cleveland, the Yankees won 98, 93, and 99 the first three years to win the division. So, and the Yankees won 103 that fourth year, but Cleveland uh, got So, <clears throat> kind of like kissing your sister, though, is for that guy. He gives 400 wins in four years and one division title out of it. So That is incredible. Uh, 1995. Baseball season begins after a lengthy strike. So, it was a strike season in 95. They started late. April 27th, 1953. Wow. Uh, Wrestler Freddie Blassie coins the term pencil neck geek. I didn't know that. If anyone watches old WWF from the 80s, classy Freddie Blassie, the manager, he always said pencil neck geek. And that was 53? In 1953, he did that. He was a wrestler then and carried it all the way wow. through the 1994, Twins righty Scott Erickson no hits the Brewers, so six to nothing. Uh, Scott Erickson had a pretty good career. Uh, I looked up some stuff on him. There he is, young Scotty. Kind of, kind of a mull up, but not really. Um... Went on to Baltimore afterwards. Yeah. Again, Scott was kind of like lost in the shuffle of other great pitchers in the American League at the time. He was mm-hmm. wrong place, wrong time for him. He was voted in the, what was it, 2004-2005, one of the sexiest men in People magazine. Correct. The ladies did like him. And the ladies liked him and his long hair, from what I heard. So, 1932, Chuck Knox, uh, NFL coach of the Rams, the Bills, and the Seahawks, was born that day in Pennsylvania. Chuck did pass away in 2018, just a couple of years ago. April 28, 1967, Muhammad Ali refuses induction into the Army and is stripped of the boxing title. 1988, Baltimore Orioles lose an AL record 21 games in a row. And in 1960, Tom Browning of the... I always remember with the Reds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw a perfect game in 88. He was born in Casper, Wyoming. Okay. So for those of you in Wyoming who are supposed to be listening to their show, supporting their brother-in-law... Casper, Wyoming. Yes. Tom Browning. Good pitcher. He was a good pitcher. Again, with the Reds teams uh, uh, in the 80s there. Very good pitcher. April 29th, 1929. ABC starts their show called Wide World of Sports. Um, For those of you who don't know, that was kind of our Saturday afternoon edition of ESPN. Yeah, it uh, was. Loved it. They showed, and they didn't show really on wide world sports. They didn't show baseball, or football, basketball. It was downhill skiing. It was other stuff, you know, uh, some racing stuff on there. But it was gymnastics was a lot of there. It wasn't your big four sports. It was the other sports. It was the uh, also rans, and it gave them coverage. You know, that Jim they normally McKay. wouldn't get Jim McKay, Howard Cosell, their gold blazers they had on with the logo in the pocket there. Yeah, ABC was that. In fact, they still kind of went for a while until ESPN really kind of bought ABC and Disney bought all that. That kind of went away. But if you look up on ESPN on demand, you'll probably see some AV, some wide world of sports stuff. April 29th, 1981. Philly Steve Carlton is the first lefty to strike out 3,000 batters. 1997. Kansas City Royal Chili Davis becomes the 75th player to hit 300 home runs. Uh, Chili Dog is a batting instructor right now in the majors, so Chili's still out there. 1933, Ed Charles, third baseman for the 69 Miracle Mets, was born on that day, 1933, in Daytona Beach, Florida. There's Eddie Charles right there. Uh, the Miracle Mets in 69. He did pass away also in 2018. Speaking of NASCAR earlier, April 30th, 1986, Bill Elliott sets the all-time NASCAR qualifying record, winning the pole position for the Winston 500 at Talladega Speedway. 212.8 miles per hour. Because um, mm. of Elliott afterwards, for those of you who know NASCAR, they have something they put in the cars called restrictor plate. 
so cars wouldn't go as fast, it wouldn't top 200 all the time. Some tracks are restri restricted plate races, some aren't. Kind of control that because 212 around some of those corners, it was getting pretty dangerous. <laughs> they had to slow them down, so put restrictor plates on there. All right, May 1st, 1991. A's outfielder Ricky Henderson steals the all time Major League Base record of 939 bases with a 7 4 win in, as the Yankees were in New York or in Oakland. Uh, Ricky Henderson, great career. Uh, all time best leadoff hitter ever. I think he's a great player. Somehow he got a managing gigs doing. Uh, he was, I know, the Mets' first base coach for a while. Got some coaching gigs in the minors, but Ricky liked to talk in third person a lot, and I've heard a lot of stories about Ricky. A lot of good stories. Uh, yeah, he speak very common uh, he about a, himself in the third person. The one story, Ricky Henderson story, real quick was uh, when he was with Toronto, because Ricky went to like yeah, I think he played like six different teams. He's in Toronto, and John Olerud was there. Hey, John Olerud had a brain injury when he was younger. He was wore a batting helmet when he was in the field at first base. Ricky Henderson went and goes, hey, when I play with the Yankees, I, I, I play with a guy who wore a batting helmet when he played first base. And John Olerud goes, yeah, that was me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ricky Henderson, Ricky's the best. He'd look at himself in the mirror in the locker room before the game and say, yeah. you're the best. Ricky's the best. Ricky's, Ricky's the, the best. best of all time. Ricky Henderson. Yeah, when he, he was the first guy to get $3 million a year when he held out with the A's. And that was big money then, $3 million a year. Talented, all-around athlete. All right, get back to more Nolan Ryan news. 1991 Texas Rangers starter Nolan Ryan pitches a Major League record seventh no-hitter. Beats Toronto 3 nothing. He was 44 years old when he threw that. 2004, speaking of guys who love themselves, Giants outfielder Barry Bonds sets <laughs> a Major League record for intentionally walked four times in a 9-9 game during a 6-3 defeat of Florida. In San Francisco. Now, as I was reading something about Bonds the other day, he's in the 500 500 club all time. The 350 350 club has nobody. Nobody? Really? I didn't know that. So, say what you will about Barry Bonds. I thought he was a great player. I, if he was juicing or not, another story for another day. But I would take Barry Bonds on my team anytime. Oh, yes. That's all I got for sports, sir. Should we head into some uh, music news? Let's do that. Well, LL Cool J. Nice. That little people throwback. Little throwback. People think of him just as an actor. No, no. <laughs> So that covered our uh, our sports segment. Let's get into some music. We've got some good good info here I, coming. I got some news here for you first. Uh, a lot of concerts, like we talked about earlier, Target Center having a con concert cancellations. Uh, Moondance Jam, a local music festival here, you can see is the, with their press release on the twenty fourth. With the ongoing cor uh, coronavirus pandemic, they are seeing events cancellations and postponements. Um, we are currently. They have already postponed the Country Music Festival Moondance Jammin' Country Fest to take place in June. But as of right now, Moondance Jam is still scheduled for July 16th through 18th. Uh, Winstock, Minnesota has Winst Winfe Winstock in Winstead, Minnesota, I should say. That was supposed to be June 12th and 13th. That has been canceled. Um, it was postponed, so it's been postponed and canceled. That was um, the church in Winstead. That was their fundraiser for the year. 
That's how it got started. That's how it got started, and that, that church is still involved with it. Um, the church is claiming houses to affect them financially. Because them being a nonprofit, they can't hoard all these profits and bankroll it. I know a lot of radio stations helped out with Winstock to get people in and this and that, but um, that is off for the year, so country music fans have had two, two of their festivals canceled. I have not heard about WeFest. Um, that's Detroit Lakes. That's up in DL. I haven't heard about that. Still scheduled, though, is the Motley Crue Def Leppard 2020 Stadium Tour with Poison and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. For June 27th at the U.S. Bank, when I checked yesterday, that was still on. Rockfest in Cadet, Wisconsin is still on for July 16th through 18th. That's, I've seen those also. And uh, one other backtrack for sporting news, the Summer X Games in Minneapolis has been canceled also. Yep, so they were the host, and that's canceled. Not postponed, but actually outright canceled. Yeah, and that's been a... Uh, here for a few years, I think their X Games map is going to be a thing because of the stadiums there. Music history. April 21st, 2016. Prince Roger Nelson dies at the age of 57 after overdosing on fentanyl. Um, Prince Chan Hassan Boy uh, drove by Paisley Park almost every day when I worked out that way. Uh, there's a picture of a mural up, up by the theaters out there. If you're ever in the Chanhassen area, Paisley Park does have tours now. There's some other murals like that in the area. Um, to say Prince was an icon here is not giving him the credit. I mean, yeah, he was a little out there, but I think a lot of people respected him in the area too. Um, so Prince passed away 2016 already. 2013, Christina Amphlett of The Front Woman of the Divinals dies after a long battle with breast cancer at the age of 53. April 22nd, Saturday Night Live, Season 3, Episode 18. Both of these events on the same episode. First of all, they start, the Blues Brothers, of John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, make their debut on Saturday Night Live, later becoming the first characters from the show to get their own movie. There we go. There's an image there. Blues Brothers, Saturday Night Live. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, big blues singer, or big blues fan also. Uh, he was in that. That's how that got started. And then, as you heard earlier in the show in 1978, Steve Martin performed King Tut on Saturday Night Live, popularizing Gary, the goofy Egyptian dance. The song, which portrays the pharaoh as his favorite honky, goes on to sell half a million copies. It's still just Steve Martin, just watch him do that. You just, I giggle, giggle like a little boy when I watch it still. It's, it's good stuff. And 500,000 copies, that's, that's half platinum status right and that's just one song a parody song a parody song as a bit on Saturday Night Live that is incredible yeah also in 1966 on that date the Trogs released Wild Thing which has been covered by half a dozen people uh, April 23rd Def Leppard guitarist Steve Clark is born in is born Stephen Maynard Clark in Sheffield England in 1960 April 24th, 2006, Billy Joel becomes the first non-athlete to earn a banner in Madison Square Garden when he sells out the venue for the 12th time on his tour. Wow. 1943, country star Richard Sturbrand of the Oak Ridge Boys. Um, he's the one with the deep, low bass voice, the long-haired guy. Yep. There we go. Yep. Yep. His birthday, 1943, he was born in New Jersey. He was the, the bass the, from the Elvira song, Ubop, Ubop. Oh, yes. That was him. Um, he's got a real low voice, other songs. 
Uh, thanks to my parents, I was very well educated on the Oak Ridge Boys. Well versed. Yes. Literally. Yes. Still a fan. But yeah. So the the deep voice guy from the Oak Ridge Boys had a has a birthday April twenty fourth, nineteen forty three. April 25th, 2002, 30 year old Lisa Lefty Lopez of TLC dies in a car accident after swerving to avoid an oncoming vehicle and losing control. The only passenger fatally injured, she's thrown from the car and dies instantly. 1975, the forebearer of, to Michael Jackson's thriller video, the Alice Cooper horror musical special Alice Cooper Welcome to My Nightmare, featuring Vincent Price, airs on ABC. Because if you recall in Michael Jackson's solar video, he has Vincent Price do a voiceover at the end. Correct. That's where it came from. April 26, 2013, country singer George Jones dies at the age of 81, just a couple weeks after his final concert in Knoxville, Tennessee. The possum, George Jones. 1975, heavy metal drummer Jason Nathan Joey Jordanson of Slipknot is born in Des Moines, Iowa. Hmm. 1970, T-Boz, Tion Watkins of TLC, is born in Des Moines, Iowa. Lots of musicians born in Des Moines, Iowa at that time. 1986, Van Halen proves there is life after D.L. Roth as their album 5150. The first with Sammy Hagar hits number one in the U.S. for the first of three weeks. David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar, who'd you like better? I like Roth. With a band, you change lead singers, you've changed the band. My opinion. I'm not saying I, I like Van Halen with Sammy Hagar too. I don't get me wrong, but that's that's a different band now. That's not Van Halen. Correct. That's just me being old and funny. April twenty seventh, two thousand two. For the first time since nineteen sixty three, there are no British acts on the U.S. Hot one hundred, as American Americans reject acts like Blur, Oasis, and Robbie Williams. Nineteen fifty one, birthday boy Paul Farley, Fraley. Paul Fraley. Also known as Ace Fraley. There he is in his Lightning's jersey. Tampa Bay Lightning jersey there. That's awesome. Born in the Bronx, New York. And, you know, when I heard that born in the Bronx, known his personality and attitude, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. That 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 fits. He is totally... Yeah, yeah. he is a Bronx boy. Yeah. April 28, 1973. Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon hits number one on the Billboard album charts. It stays at the top for one week but goes on to eclipse the record for most weeks in, the, in tally with over 880 weeks. They were not non-consecutive, but over 880 weeks on the charts. <clears throat> 1976, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band played at the Grand Ole Opry in Opryland, USA, theme park in Nashville. It's the first time a rock band has played at the Opry since the Birds in 1968. Hmm. I think Hall & Oates have played there since, too. I, I think... I'm not sure if it was Hollywood or someone else has played their sense. I'm not sure who. Uh, 1966, I know a big fan of yours, rapper Too Short was born. Um, big fan of mine, yes, yes, indeed. Ghetto and Blow My Whistle. He was born Todd Anthony Shaw in Los Angeles. Another big Too Short guy. April 29th, 1943, country singer Dwayne Allen, the other guy from the Oak Ridge Boys. Um, he was born in Texas. There he is. There's, like we said, uh, Richard, Richard with the bass. There's the long mountain guy with the beard. And there's Dwayne right there. Dwayne's been with the band for a while. April 30th, 2015, Benny King, singer and songwriter of the song Stand By Me, dies at the age of 76. Now, we just played a while ago. For the first time, MTV Unplugged features rap act 
with De La Salle, LL, MC Light, and a tribute called Quest and LL Cool J. There we go. LL Cool J on the screen. LL steals the show with a shirtless rendition of Mama's Knock You Out. That, um, yeah, if you want to play that again, anytime you hear this. Now you gotta remember that's that's the album version. When he was on MTV, that was on unplugged, so he did it acoustic. Wow! So it was with a drum and acoustic guitar. Awesome rendition. 1967. Tim McGraw was born Samuel Timothy McGraw in Louisiana. His dad, pro baseball player Frank Edwin McGraw Jr. or Tug McGraw. Here we go. There they are. Yeah, uh, was his father. Here's some things on that uh, country music fans kind of have their thing. It says on the cover there, just a little math on that. Tug McGraw, father of Tim McGraw. Story is, Tug didn't really, he, he just kind of denounced that he had a son, didn't, didn't say anything. And then he finally started, made peace with his son after seven, when his son was 17 years old, 18 years later. Now, if you do the math, Tim McGraw, Samuel Timothy McGraw, by the way, was born in 1967. Tim started his career with the Mets in 65. Tug Mc, re, re, uh, retired in 84. Well, him and Tim McGraw didn't start talking until 17 years later, which was 1984. So Tug McGraw kind of went his entire baseball career. I never read the stories. I never got into it. Was it because he was so focused on baseball? He didn't want to deal with that. Did he not know until afterwards he had a son? Um, it was a relationship with a gal one night that led to his son being born so maybe he never knew of it until later on don't know i don't i am not one to hold against anybody anything like that for waiting so long but um before tim passed away in 2004 him and his son did touch base with each other and reconciled if you will but uh yeah so tim mcgraw son of tug mcgraw yeah tug mcgraw the phillies pitcher very good and then uh Tim McGraw, I think to this day, still holds an annual concert, uh, Lake Minnetonka. Yes. Uh, local, locally here. Yeah. Um, he's married to a country singer, Faith Hill, the two of them. They tour together now. Um, yeah, Tug McGraw and his dad, or Tug and his son, Tim, or father-son there. Um, a lot of things came out when Tim started surprising that he went with the name because everybody thought he was writing his old man's name to get famous. And he wasn't, he just said, that's my name. So I kind of respect that. He didn't try to ride the old man's coattails for anything. But that was that. But that's all I got, sir. What, what's, in, what's in your uh, Walkman this week? Well, the Walkman this week is a, a little 1967, the Jimi Hendrix Experience. The, uh, the debut album called Are You Experienced is what I'm going to review here today. This came out May 12th of 1967. Recorded in three different studios in London over a period of 16 days. And, uh, you know, between October of 66 and April 4th of 1967, this album was put together. And it is good stuff here. I'll bring up the, uh, the, the album cover here. Um, and there were two. And the reason I'm going to bring these up here is that there were two album, album covers. We'll get to that in a minute. But... Jimi Hendrix got his got his start. Uh, it was in 1966. He was really struggling to earn a living, 
uh, playing as a backup guitarist in the rhythm and blues R&B circuit. Uh, it was around this time that the Animals, uh, Chaz Chandler left the Animals and got together with Michael Jeffery, the former Animals manager, and says, let's, let's, let's get this guy. Let's do something here with Jimi Hendrix. And so uh, they think he could, he could have made his own group here uh, with some surrounding individuals. So they picked up drummer Mitch Mitchell and bassist Noel Redding and uh, called the group the Jimi Hendrix Experience. When they wrote up the contract for this, they wanted to ensure that Jimi Hendrix was the guy leading the charge, leading the, the, uh, leading the show. And so they knew Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell down the road uh, you know, may have some conflict, but from a contractual obligation, there was issues with other bands in the past where people started wanting more and more rights, songwriting rights and songwriting credits and royalties. And they wanted to make sure that this, this album was all Jimmy composing, uh, doing the music. Uh, Jimmy uh, Hendrix played the rhythm guitar on the, on the cuts and also the lead guitar and the vocals. All they needed with these other two was really just the drums and the bass. So they released this in 1967, getting on a brand new label that was formed by the former uh, you know, manager from the, from the Who, uh, Kit, Kit Lambert and, and Chris Stamp put together this group called Track, this uh, record uh, production label. Well, this was their first, so they had issues with money. This was their first um, album coming through here, and they had some issues with that, trying to get this thing produced without the money to do so out on a, on a big label. But they put this together. They put the band together, and they, they came off with the, I'm going to read here the, the album here, uh, the, the, the songs here, first of all. We've got, and, and most people know every single song on this, this album. And this was their debut. You know, you start off with Purple Haze, you go into Manic Depression, and then the cover song is Hey Joe. And this was the first song I believe released was a cover song by the old Billy Roberts. And they did this, and this really got some movement and, and some fan base, both in the UK here and the, and the US. And then it was Love or Confusion, then May This Be Love, Then I Don't Live Today, The Wind Cries Mary. We'll get to more on that here in a, in a bit. The song Fire, Third Stone from the Sun, kind of a uh, uh, spaceship kind of a song, uh, extraterrestrial kind of a deal. And then we got Foxy Lady and Are You Experienced? Some notes here that came out from this rec recording. There are some interesting uh, names. So what we've got is Hendrix. Well, the, in the studio, in the recording studios, the hardest thing for these, the manager here is to get was to get the followers from stop showing up uh, while they were in the London area. Jimi Hendrix had the. Jimi Hendrix had a bad uh, habit of indiscriminately telling people where they'd be on any given day, what recording studio, where they'd be recording. And he'd invite these people in to watch the recording sessions. And so not only were they trying to lay these tracks down, the, uh, the ladies, a lot of ladies uh, followed the group, and they had to 
deal with all this uh, at the same at the same time. Now, "Foxy Lady," the song is actually it was a song written about Heather Taylor, who was a London socialite who later married the Who's Roger Daltrey. That's who the song "Foxy Lady." Was about very interesting. I, I didn't actually know that until re reading this, uh, doing the, the 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 homework here for this. Uh, very interesting. Purple haze was another song that people uh, often thought was about LSD and, and going on an acid trip, and uh, it, it was in. It's misinterpreted. Jimi Hendrix said that because it wasn't. In fact. Jimi Hendrix wasn't even using LSD or, or acid when he wrote that song, Purple Haze. Uh, he said it simply was just about a dream that I had that I was walking under the sea. Now, many people later um, you know, combine all this with, with Jimmy and the rest of the group that was actually doing LSD and, and acid back in those days to really get some musical, um, to explore their horizons, so to yes. say. But that was very interesting that, uh, that that had nothing to do with it at all. They really got into the psychedelic uh, track as uh, music as well, which really pushed the limit on what they were doing um, back then, which really opened people's eyes because they came on the scene kind of after the uh, the Beatles were going, and they had a song called the uh, Red House that actually was uh, people have called that more of uh, more of a gothic gothic rock uh, was actually. The lyrics to I Don't Live Today was more gothic rock. But they had Red House, they had the songs Remember that were released later on on, the, uh, on a re-release of, of these songs. Hey Joe is more of a folk song. That's the only cover song uh, on the album. And Manic Depression, another, another fan favorite, was really, uh, he said that it's uh, it's a story really about a cat wishing he could make love to music instead of a same old woman every day. And so that was the Manic Depression song. Now, we get into the Wind Cries Mary. Very interesting bit here. The Wind Cries Mary. We get this. He wrote this about his girlfriend at the time, Kathy Eckingham. Uh, Eckingham. Her, her middle name is Mary. They had broken up, and then not broken up. They actually had an argument that resulted uh, a fight that they had. Uh, he locked her out of the, locked her in the bathroom, and then he went out and um, wrote this song about the wind cries Mary. The song that I mentioned earlier uh, out of sequence there was Red House. That actually does not include a bass track. No bass guitar on that track. In fact, the bassist uh, took a regular guitar and just p played strongly bass tones using a regular guitar. That sounds like it, but it's actually not. Now, the album color cover, two album covers. The one on the right was the original UK album cover for Are You Experienced? The one on the left with the yellow and the kind of the acid trip look to it uh, was released in the North, North America release. But this thing went five times platinum, five times platinum. Really interesting stuff as this has been on many people's list of uh, best albums, best hard rock, best rock, best, best acid rock, and um, uh, psychedelic rock is where this really comes in to, into play. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, the first song that he actually wrote after they did 
the cover song of Hey Joe was actually the song Stone Free. Stone Free. And then the last note that I have here is when they did the song Purple Haze, they recorded it, sent it to the studio, uh, sent it when, it when it was actually sent for remastering. They had to put the note on there that says, we use deliberate distortion on this song. Please do not correct was the note that they had to put on when they went to get it remastered. So they did not think it was an error. Uh, but those are the two album covers right there on the on the cover here on the show, the two album covers. Really good album, 1967. It's only 38 minutes long, the entire piece, but um, really good. Re recommend everyone to uh, to pick that up if you haven't seen it or heard it. That's all I've got for music for the day. Yeah, that kind of sounds like a wrap for us right now. Um, I said we're going to be going to an every two-week format now with this until uh, sports start picking up more. We've got more stuff to cover. <clears throat> um, we will be doing Facebook Live updates and probably doing some uh, starting some Instagram TV updates also to fill in the time during the uh, off week. We mentioned that one song for them where they didn't have a bass player on there. I believe a lot of the door stuff did not have a bass player on it either. I think so. They had the, they had the keyboard, the which was kind of covering up for that bass. So, an interesting fact right there for you. But uh, as we go, um, like we mentioned, this will be the anniversary of Prince, Prince passing away. Prince was um, a Twin Cities icon, like I said. Everybody loved Prince here. Uh, at the Super Bowl here, the halftime show. Um, his movie, Purple Rain. Film in the area. Uh, those of us from Minnesota watch, we kind of know what's going on. Those spots over there. But you know what? Let's just end this show with a little bit of uh, Prince right now. Got it.